We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly interview show where top chess players, authors, content creators, and accomplished amateurs discuss their careers and share stories and chess improvement tips. Perpetual Chess is a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we'd like to give special thanks to our presenting chess education sponsor, Chessable.com. For more information about the show, you can go to PerpetualChessPod.com. But without further ado, let's get to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. Listeners, we've got a great adult improvement-focused episode coming your way with Dr. Nick Vasquez sharing lots of personal reflection and study tips. I am confident that you will find it engaging and informative, but I wanted to give three quick announcements before we get to the interview. Number one, you guys might have guessed this, but there will be no discussion of the FIDE Candidates Tournament in this particular conversation. Uh, We'll let the dust settle, and on the July 12th episode, we will be joined by Grandmaster David Howell to give our final wrap-up, although it's, of course, likely to be an ongoing story as we see what happens with the World Championship cycle. But anyway, looking forward to a wrap-up of all the chess lessons we can derive from the candidates, as well as all of the World Championship drama coming next week, July 12th. Number two, good news, listeners. 
The How to Chess podcast is returning for a limited run season two. This is not a drill. So for listeners who have not heard it before, How to Chess is a separate chess instruction focused podcast, Chess Improvement, brought to you by Chessable. I'm excited. It's coming back. We've got eight episodes already recorded coming to you for season two. And the first episode is with Chess Steps trainer Han Shu, who you will hear discussed as Dr. Vasquez's trainer in this very episode. So if you would like to hear from Han himself or for the other guests we have coming down the pike, which include some well-known trainers as well as uh, some adult improvers, be sure to subscribe to How to Chess. It's on its own podcast feed. So you've got to search for How to Chess in Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and subscribe to it and then you're good to go. You can also watch it on the YouTube channel, but I am super excited to uh, continue that project. Uh, Number three is I wanted to give thanks to recent Patreon supporters of Perpetual Chess. I know the economy's been a mess lately, oil prices through the roof, inflation, etc. So I really appreciate all of the longtime Patreon supporters of Perpetual Chess, as well as the new pledges. Of course, pledges receive a few perks, like you can get ad-free episodes, submit questions for guests, stuff like that. But mainly, I think people do it to help support the podcast. And I devote a lot of time to this podcast, uh, more than ever, more time than ever. So I really appreciate it. I wanted to give a shout out to new Rook and Queen level pledges, Graham Reynolds, Ono from Chess Twitter. You guys should be reading Ono's blog. Lindsay Newhall, Mila Angthwin, uh, Zachary Calderon, and Richard Commons. So thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to those who support the pod. And let's get you to a great interview, a uh, great adult improvement focused interview with Dr. Nick Vasquez. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Adult Improver edition of Perpetual Chess. This, of course, is a break from interviewing chess professionals and authors, and we talk to accomplished amateurs about their chess improvement adventures. This month, we are joined by Dr. Nicholas Vasquez, a 49-year-old dad, emergency physician, and the chair of a health foundation called Vitalist Health. He's had a long time on again, off again relationship with chess, but like a lot of us, redoubled his interest uh, during the pandemic and has made significant rating progress. His chess.com rapid rating has gone from about 1350 to 1650 in the past few years, and he's also been getting into tournament chess, as he will be telling us. So without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Vasquez to the show. How are you, Nick? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I, I can't believe I'm actually on the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> well, dreams do come true, Nick, as I've said before. <laughs> I think you, I think you got to aim bigger, but <laughs> but uh, I'm uh, I'm happy to have you and congratulate you on your chess accomplishments as well as your more important accomplishments. But let's get to it, Nick. So I know you've had, uh, as I said, on again, off again relationship with chess, but like, what rejiggered your interest? What was the moment when you said, "I want to get serious again"? Oh, uh, yeah, I remember it very clearly. Um, uh, my entire life with chess, I've been frustrated that I'm not better. Uh, just like, you know, like I should be better, but I, I never took any lessons. And then I had my daughter. And the moment that I had my daughter, I wanted to teach her chess. I, I wanted to be the person to teach her chess. And I can remember clearly sitting over some of the material that I had bought specifically for her. We're going through it, and she's bored to tears. <laughs> she's just like, can't escape fast enough. And I realized at that moment, oh, that's right. Daddy wants to learn this. Right. <laughs> you know. Uh, so I kind of freed my daughter uh, from having to live my life vicariously 
and realized I want to get really serious about chess. Uh, I, I can remember that moment vividly. It was a couple of years ago, um, and I, I've, I've done that ever since. Okay. And so once you reached that moment, uh, what did you do? Uh, well, so at that point, um, I tried to figure out uh, – well, let me back up. So before, before even getting there, I had tried to figure out what was the best way to sort of teach chess knowing that I didn't know it super well, um, that, that I wasn't the best teacher. Uh, so I kind of looked around and I ended up coming across the steps method um, and bought the entire series from start to finish uh, of workbooks and thought, okay, I can slowly take her through this and I'll also do some uh, more advanced stuff to try to teach it. So I bought the workbooks. I also bought the trainer books and went to try to go and learn how to teach my daughter a little bit of chess. I already knew how the pieces move. I already knew some tactics. So she's been aware of how the pieces move since uh, age five. But um, I was going through that steps method with her and she's bored. Like, like if it's not fun, master Mike telling a joke with some animation, she's out right. <laughs> and, I, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm, that's realistic. She's 10 now. And if it's not fun, she's not interested. So I, I did a really bad job of making it fun, but I was loving it. And so at that point, I'd already invested in the steps method stuff. I'd already encountered your podcast once or twice about steps method and listened to it, did my own research. And I thought, okay, this works for this works for me. Okay. And for any newer listeners, it does come up periodically, but the steps method is a Dutch curriculum uh, that aims to take you from approximately zero to approximately 2200. So it's got six different levels and then assorted workbooks within each level. Uh, if you want more information, you can hear my first interview with uh, uh, Dr. Vasquez's trainer, Han Shute. You can also listen to my interview with I am Yap Delamar, uh, who's a certified chess steps trainer uh, from the Netherlands. And it's also come up periodically in other interviews, including a recent one um, with adult improver um, <laughs> Paul, Paul Hedrick, sorry, Paul, um, and Han Shute. Uh, also joined on that one. So if listeners are looking for background, and of course, we'll put some links, relevant links in the show description. Uh, yeah, so it's great for adults, uh, Nick, but yeah, it can be a bit dry. Um, they yeah. do have the Stepping Stones books for kids, which help somewhat, but there's still no Fun Master Mike. No, no, there's there's no Fun Master Mike. But I, I can remember the moment I went from, and this was before I started training with, with Han. Han has helped a lot. Like uh, the, the lessons that we do have helped a lot. But I remember the moment where I felt like I was actually making improvement was uh, doing the workbook uh, Steps 2, um, uh, Thinking Ahead. I'd never really worked on visualization. I'd never really worked on, on trying to imagine the board after a couple of moves and the whole Thinking Ahead uh, series. Uh, step three, uh, I mean, sorry, step two and step three, there are, but step two for me was just sea change. Like all of a sudden I realized, wow, there's this whole other game that I haven't been playing, uh, that, mm -hmm. that I've, I mean, it's not just move the pieces around and see what tactics you can make. Uh, it, it's, there's, there's a lot to think about. Uh, and that was the opening of the door.
Yeah. And and again, for, for any listeners who haven't heard this discussed previously, the thinking ahead books in particular are ones that sort of train visualization. I often recommend the thinking ahead two book for around uh, 1300 USCF slash chess.com level, which is a, exactly where Nick was. So perfect choice. And the sort of puzzles that they ask is they'll be like, there's a rook on a one, a, um, you know, a pawn on uh, B, I'm making this up on the fly. I'm definitely going to screw sure. it up. A pawn on C7, um, and you know, a another piece somewhere. I'm not even going to try anymore. And they'll just be like, find the fork, where they tell you yeah. where the pieces are on the board, and then tell you to find the fork without actually looking at the board. But they do a good job of building up slowly, so they don't overwhelm you with inputs right off the bat. They start off with very basic examples. Uh, they, you know, they have different drills based on naming squares. Uh, and they do a really good job just like really training that part of your brain. Um, and I did get a chance to talk with Han. Obviously, I'm uh, friendly with him um, about uh, reasons for your success, Nick. And uh, in addition to just getting the book, he, he credited your conscientiousness. So, of course, the where the rubber meets the road is actually doing the work, right? Yeah, my um, my wife, um, uh, a woman of near infinite patience <laughs> for me. Uh, she likes to say that, you know, it's, it's about doing the grind. And yeah. I mean, the reality is, is, is like, if you want to get stronger, you lift a weight. If you want to get better at chess, you, you do, you know, you do puzzles or you play or you review, you know, there's a lot of things you can do, but you do it consistently uh, over time, knowing that you're going to get better. It's not, it's not going to be one of those things that just, you know, happens it's it's something over time and getting into the grind getting used to kind of doing that work uh was for me i think one of the one of the things that helped me succeed so far i don't know uh there, there's got to be some more specific questions because i feel like i'm droning on no, no. about well, what i what i did well to me the million dollar question is like don't you ever struggle with motivation like you know you're you've got such an intense job as an emergency physician you're a dad you know, you're, you're heading a nonprofit, like, so of all the things to do when you get home to like, you know, sit there and really strain your brain, like, is it, is it tough to, to fire, get fired up for that? Or are you like, is, is that like an escape no. for you? Yeah, that, that's the thing is, um, uh, not to go too deep into, you know, the last couple of years, but the pandemic has sucked. Yeah. I'm um, sure. you know, it just was so difficult. I mean, I, I'm trained as an emergency physician, save lives. Uh, that's what I do. Uh, you know, more often than not, I'm dealing with social stuff. I'm dealing with other things, but you know, in the emergency department, you know, during the midst of the, the pandemic, and I can still remember knowing it was coming in February, 2020. And by March, 2020, it was here by April, 2020, we were seeing it all over the place had no idea what to do. Um, and not to kind of relitigate that, but the whole intensity of that experience was really um, heavy. Uh, and I needed, I've always needed something equally intense to counterbalance it. Um, and for me, chess was just this place where, you know, it's an eight by eight square where there's rules <laughs> and, and I can, uh, maybe I can figure it out. Maybe I can't figure it out, but it became this place where I could go and be equally intense with, um, uh, with the challenge 
and also feel progress. Uh, you know, I could feel like I was getting better. I stopped dropping pieces. I could start to see I was winning some stuff. Uh, some new openings kind of came around. Like all those little things, if you spend time noticing it, and I guess that's the key, noticing these small little improvements, you don't lack for motivation. It's not like I've given up the idea that I'm ever done. Like I reached this place where I go, done. You know, you're not looking for, and now I spike the ball, chess is over, I fixed it. Uh, you know, there's always new levels for me to go to. So it's just what work am I doing today? Uh, you know, what am I going to work on today? Cause if I don't do something equally intense afterwards, uh, for my shifts, then, uh, they, they get really hard to deal with. Yeah, that makes sense. And what you say about like, once you see progress, I do think it's easy or probably easier to keep the momentum going. But I think with what a lot of people struggle with is if they're not seeing progress. Now, I know that yeah. previously you, you said you didn't see progress, but in since you got serious and since you started um, what, you know, I know you've got a very um, unpredictable work schedule, but yeah. What amounts to at least a uh, consistent weekly practice, if not daily practice. But anyway, once you got to that point, were there times where you weren't feeling like you were progressing, Nick? Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, more than a few where I feel like I hit a plateau or I felt like, okay, I need maybe a week or two off. Um, we definitely negotiated that between myself and Han. But I feel like I'm my own randomized control trial, you know, trying to be my own coach for decades where I'd pick a book, I'd try and go through the book, or I'd try and, you know, work through, uh, you know, whatever, whatever game was being written up in the New York Times, was like trying to learn a language without knowing how it was spoken or what the, the words meant. You know, I just could never really pick up the language. I couldn't pick it up. Um, and then after I got serious, I had some material to study. I had a coach to kind of guide me. I had some real-world experience in, in games. We had immediate feedback. Um, you know, that's a much better way to make improvement is uh, you, you get serious about your games. I mean, I stopped playing on my phone. I stopped playing um, while distracted. Uh, I stopped playing while doing multiple things. And I started playing on a board, focusing in and trying to think about every move before I did it. Sometimes I succeed. I played in my first over the board tournament, you know, uh, mm -hmm. last year. Um, uh, took second place All right. out of the blue, you know? Yeah, I def um, definitely want to hear more about that later. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and I've got a follow-up, but first, Nick, we need to take a break and hear from sure. our sponsors. Perpetual Chess is proud to be brought to you in part by Chessable.com, the leading chess education platform. Chessable, of course, uses its proprietary move trainer technology, which has space repetition to help you learn opening sequences, tactical patterns, basic end games, all of which it will quiz you on repeatedly until you have it down cold. They have courses both for free and for purchase. One of their newest includes the Beginner's 1D4 Repertoire by popular and entertaining YouTube commentator and streamer. I am Andres Toth. So if you're just looking to get your feet wet in an opening, it is a great uh, intro. And of course, they also have intermediate classics like Endgame Strategy and tons of advanced opening courses that you can check out for free or for purchase at chessable.com. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. And Nick, you mentioned that one of the changes that you felt that helped was switching to a physical board. But I know that Han has suggested, and you've been an eager participant in the Lee Chess 4545 League, and you're also occasionally playing on uh, chess.com Rapid. As I alluded to, that's where some of your improvement has been measured. Um, so when you play those games, are you doing it with a chess set uh, in mm-hmm. addition to on online? Every time, um, I, I really stopped playing blitz. I started playing longer time controls, 15-minute, 30-minute, uh, 45-minute. Um, joined the 45-45 uh, Lee Chess League. Uh, you can't, uh, I mean, you can't play good chess unless you sit and look and see the board. And since I've spent most of my adult life um, with the habit of see move, make move, I have to undo that. You know, I, I've, I've had to overcome my predilection as an emergency physician. My job is to read people and make a gut-based decision with partial information under time pressure. And after 20 years, you know, I trust my gut. Oh, that's what this is. Or I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to do that. Like some days I feel like the sorting hat. Turns out that that is exactly the opposite thing to do on a chessboard <laughs> is right. just fire from the gut. Uh, and I've had to really work on being intentional about pre-move uh, board analysis. And the 3D board just really helps me see a lot better than the electronic board. Uh, okay. It just does. And did you... Um, did you, what else did you do to sort of rewire your brain? Like, are you using a checklist or anything like that? Like how did you, cause it's gotta be hard. I, I, you know, it we're both hard. in our forties. Yeah, no, I'm not going to lie and say it's, it's unending success. I mean, the last couple of games I've had on Lee chess have been really disappointing. Uh, but I think the important thing is, uh, that, you you have this checklist in mind. Now, the steps, le- steps method has a very specific checklist, and it gets a little overwhelming for me. Um, yeah. You know, the steps method is, is more about finding a good move given the orientation of the board. So one of the very first things that Han and I would work on was separating calculation from seeing the board. So I'm going to orient to the position on the board and try to then think about candidate moves and then calculate. Whereas my mind just goes straight to calculation. Okay, queen to e5, check, plus the blah, 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 and I'm lost. You know, um, it's, it's part of that. I'm going right past step one to step five, trying to figure out what am I going to do with you, uh, which is my habit as an emergency physician. Uh, and I'm not that good at chess to be able to do that. So going back to the steps method, you know, I found the whole thing a little overwhelming. So I look for undefended pieces, checks, captures, threats, and pawn breaks. But the thing with threats is you can get a lot of what the steps method is looking for if you give your own side, say, two moves. All right, I'm going to move, you know, two moves without an opponent's response. Well, that pawn would really mess things up. Or, you know, if I got that pin, that would really mess things up for them. Like You can kind of see the the 
characteristics you're looking for. It's not perfect. Um, and I can still rattle off off the top of my head the chess steps method. Uh, undefended pieces, uh, vulnerable king, uh, p- pin pieces, pieces on a battery, uh, pieces uh, at a knight's distance, uh, pieces with a central defending task, and uh, potential pass pawns. And it, it's, it's hard for me to go, okay, I've got five minutes. Let's do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, so checks, captures, threats. Um, and then uh, I, I try to throw in pawn breaks. But by the time I get to threats, I'm like, what? Where, where was I? Yeah. It's, I mean, you know. Yeah. I know RB Ramesh, who, of course, legendary trainer, who was recently on the show. I know a lot of people enjoyed hearing from him, myself uh, included. It's always a treat. He always includes pawn breaks. And, you know, it, it feels like I shouldn't be questioning him. But in my experience, like at the below 2200 level, like they're they're separate from tactical calculations more often than not. But again, who, who am I to question him? And certainly if you get to the point where you're looking at pawn breaks, like that means you've gone through the other three. So um, I, yeah. I can get it as a as a follow-up to checks, captures, and threats. Um, so anyway, Nick, you told me, we talked briefly before uh, this interview, and you told me you're, you're averaging about an hour a day um, of, uh, of study. And of that, I'm, I'm curious, and I bet listeners are curious, like how much of it is doing steps method, how much of it is doing your, your 45-45 training games, and so on and so forth. So I look back, um, uh, and, and I need to kind of go back to kind of answer that question i need to go back to kind of paint the picture of of what was different now and what do we do now so um han is not the first coach that i ever had um pre-pandemic years and years ago um i encountered a coach online we had four lessons it wasn't the greatest relationship and um during the pandemic I, i believe he actually passed away um so at one point I wanted to get back to it, but pre pandemic, you know, I would play, we, we'd review, uh, our games. Uh, there was no real structure to it other than, okay, well, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. I get to, uh, start with, uh, Han, uh, either January or February of 2021. And he'll give me a couple of pages of homework. We'll have a lesson per month or sorry, per week. Um, and then we'll review some games or concepts or openings and then go over things that I might've gotten wrong on the homework. And he always told me, if I'm not giving you stuff, you're getting wrong. Like if you're getting everything right, then I'm not challenging you enough. You, you need to get something wrong. And I, I had to learn to let go of my ego. Um, I'm going to get it wrong and it's okay. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to not have the answer and that's all right. Uh, but I'm going to try my best to get it. And that's the structure we've had since February. Once a week, uh, we get about a page or two, maybe four, depending upon the work, of homework. I work on that. Plus, there's games, tactics, and openings. So it's a lot. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's not something that I feel I can do enough of any one thing to really become, like, expert at. I, I forget my opening prep, or I forget the opening line, or, or I get blown off the board, uh, uh, you know, because, oops. Yeah, I guess that was a critical move. Uh, You know, it's stuff that's, I'm just amateur, man. And I I find new and inventive ways to lose games. But I'm proud of the fact that with that structure, um, I made significant improvements. And turns out if you stop dropping pieces, you, you really go up in rating. Yeah, that, that's really the key to the game. <laughs> but much easier said than done, of course. Um, so how would you say you, you're dividing your time? Like, um, 
I mean, I, I know that you, as you say, as you allude to, it's a lot to cover. I own a good yeah. week, get an hour a day average as well. And at, you know, at my level, it never feels enough either. Um, it's yeah. always feels like whack-a-mole. Um, so obviously the steps method are a big part in the playing. So if you were to break it down by percentage, like how much do you think you're spending on openings compared to the worksheets? Um, obviously one seventh of it is your lesson. Well, time. I, I guess I would prioritize uh, worksheet because there's time on that. Like, oops, I got a lesson coming up. I got to get these done. <laughs> right. Uh, right. And so that's the majority of my time. Uh, the slate majority. And then openings and tactics are about equal. So I don't know, half hour of, uh, of uh, work and 15 and 15, you know, trying what about to the, kind of, what about the 45, 45 games, which by the way, we should probably, I think a lot of people will, will be familiar with them, but we should probably briefly say what the 45, 45 games are. So I, first of all, I'd never heard of Lee chess before I started working with Han and I never heard of the Lee chess 45, 45 league. It's, uh, I mean, I had been reading some Dan Heisman books and he had, uh, mentioned about playing really, really slow. Um, and it was, it was hard for me to play slow because what am I looking at? You know, okay, uh, maybe the night goes here. Or, uh, you know, I, I didn't have the, the, com- the complexity or, or the, the skill to kind of look deeper into the game. Uh, and so just sitting there for 10 minutes kind of going, what am I doing? It was so frustrating for me before I started to understand the deeper concepts. Um, but the 45-45 league is a league of uh, players on Lee Chess you form an eight-person or a ten-person team. You get one game per week, and you can prep. You can see their opening prep um, on OpeningTree.com or on Lee Chess. You can try to figure out, okay, what do they play against my line? And it really is actually a really interesting way to kind of learn some openings, get prepped, and get a good game. Um, I used to hate playing against the French. Hated the French, and uh, now I feel much more comfortable against it. Um, you know, what are you playing couple- against it? Give oh, us some help. You like to know. <laughs> uh, well, Chess Dojo has this uh, video. Uh, Jesse Cry has this video on uh, set. Uh, you know, easy setup for um, uh, for people to play against the French. I mean, you develop the what the knight to f three. So what is it? Um, God, we're going to play blind flow chess here. Um, <laughs> so you know. th- there's the Tarash and the Winnower. The Tarash is when they attack your pawn on the third move. You can go knight d two to guard the pawn, or knight c three to guard the pawn. Knight c three. Um, Okay, and then if they yeah. go bishop b4, which is the winnower, which is the, the main line, pinning your knight. Now, that one's a fun one, and I, I, I'll, I'll ask you to ask Han about that. But that there's some new stuff uh, uh, with a hairy attack. That Interesting. one's fun. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, so yeah, we'll, 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 uh, we'll leave that as a tease. But anyway, sorry, I, I just uh, I figured some people might want to know. We don't talk a ton of openings on here. Um, so, um, but getting back to, to your approach, and one thing we should add about the Lee Chess 45-45 League is you schedule the games on your own. So uh, yeah. that's, that's a, a game changer for, uh, for a lot of busy people. You're, it's not like you have to be there a certain day and time. Once you get your pairing, you set it up with the person. No, I mean, there's two things that Han said that have, at least two things that Han said that have, have come 100% true. The first was playing slow is the best way to improve. Um, I mean, during the midst of the pandemic, I picked up um, strength training too. Uh, it just, it was something I, I had to do. I, uh, you know, I, I, I could go into depth about that, but it was just something I had to do. But you, you get stronger, I've learned. You know, you lift a slightly heavy weight. You don't have to lift a super heavy weight, but you lift a slightly heavier weight and you just do it repeatedly. 
And it's not that different with chess. It, you're going to play slow. You're going to learn to sort of think ahead. If you win, if you lose, that's fine. You're going to learn something. And you just got to accept the fact that, you know, to get better, you really do have to slow down. I, I wish I was a blitz wizard. <laughs> I wish I was a, you know, a, a bullet king. Uh, no, I, I've got to really think about the moves ahead of time. And then slowly over time, it becomes second nature. Yeah, I mean... It sounds like you've got a very good approach. Um, it's again, it's it's commendable. Um, I wanted to highlight. So Han did send me some notes because uh, you know, he works with you closely, and he wanted to highlight what he felt were the um, the keys to the to the success you've had. And we've highlighted a few of them. But uh, so he mentioned, as you did, the uh, this idea of orientation, this idea of mm -hmm. like when you look at a puzzle or a position, you know, um, it's come up on the podcast a few times. And I interviewed uh, I am Willie Hendrick. This, you know, he's written this book, uh, Move First, Think Later, where he basically um, um, presents the idea that we we want it to be like you come with this sort of analytical approach when you see a position, but really when you see a position, you just start thinking of moves. So this idea of orientation is to try to sort of break that habit as mm. you've got to. So Han credited the conscious work that you guys have done on separate orientation as opposed to calculation and visualization. Um, the review of incorrect answers, obviously it's the same idea as learning from uh, your losses, uh, the one hour uh, of online training each week, and the instructions. So, I mean, those are really the the, the key pillars. I mean, I, I do. It sounds uh, simple, but not easy. I guess. No, I, I remember one of the very first lessons that we we had, um, and I, I've debated whether or not to try and do a Han impression. It's not a very good one. So, <laughs> for what it's worth, um, he was like, "You play good chess, but uh, I think you missed something basic." You know, like right. he's he was just kind of noticing that, you know, maybe I could do a tactic or two, but I was missing some stuff. Um, the idea of what's um, inadequate material, and there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, a stalemate because of inadequate material. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I can kind of understand that, but I didn't know what inadequate material, you know, specifically was. We worked on that. But all these little things that, that I missed uh, during 40 years of, uh, you know, just on and off again with chess, uh, just little things that he would pick up over time and, and kind of help me fill in the gaps of things that I either didn't know I didn't know or had learned incorrect. Uh, it just, you just almost can't be your own coach in that in that respect. Yeah. And to follow up, Nick, a little bit on your opening preparation, uh, I mean, you did mention 4545 helps because you can target specific openings. So one question I'm curious about at your level is how often you end up seeing the openings you think you'll, you'll see. But also, I'd like to hear more about your, your general approach. I know that Han is, has you using Chessable, but not just the, per, the courses that you purchase, but designing your own courses as well, or he designing them and sharing in some cases. Yeah, that, that's um, the trick he said. That he's learned his openings by designing these courses and doing the analysis. Uh, he uses um, Lee Chess kind of like common moves. How often do I get the prep? 70% um, of the time? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't surprise yeah. me because, yeah, I mean, even at my level, I, I've mentioned before, I, I bat around the idea of playing multiple openings, and it just, like, it seems so hard to know enough on one. And, you know, obviously the lower the level, the less experience you have, even the more challenging it, it could at least feel, even if realistically, yeah. realistically, oh. you might be fine, you know, but, but you've got to feel comfortable. So. Yeah. Hard. Okay. So um, 
there, there's this weird little thing where at my level and below, um, you know, I, I can learn these chessable lines and, and uh, they're, they're appropriate, you know, responses. If I do this, he's going to do that. You know, and this is the reason why. But when you play folks my level, they find new and inventive moves that probably right. aren't <laughs> aren't book. And I'm like, oh, I'm out of book by uh, move three. What do I do here? Right. Uh, you, you know, and it's it, it's been a journey. I'm not I'm not going to lie. It's it's definitely been a journey. So it sounds like openings aren't like a huge part of uh, your overall no, regimen. They are. Um, uh, second Han quote uh, from one of our early lessons. He's like, your your openings are a bit light. Hmm. And it's true. My openings were not good. And maybe by learning some different openings, I was also able to kind of learn concepts of tempo, space, development, timing, you know, all these different kind of uh, things that weren't part of my game per se. Uh, I've learned kind of to use the tempo better. I've learned openings that give me more dynamic positions. And I'm still learning, you know, the best way to utilize those. But I mean, once you get a toy, one of the best way to learn is you play with it. Uh, sometimes you break it, sometimes it works. Um, but that that opening prep for me was was a big part, I think, of some of the improvement because I stopped getting blown off the board so often. Yeah, yeah. And as I've mentioned for you know for listeners before, that is the key. There's no there's no like golden answer for how to approach openings. But if you are getting blown off the board, you need to work with them work on them. And if you're not, you might not need to, you know, it's, it's just a case by case basis, but obviously it's always a delicate balance because there is always uh, so much to work on. And one other uh, study method that Han mentioned that he has you doing that is not um, as popular um, or at least doesn't come up as frequently on the podcast. Although uh, Dr. Terry Chapman, another accomplished approver was the one who uh, got Han onto it is uh, chess-based tactics. So where does all where does that fit into this? Um, you know, I feel like we're running out of hours for for where you could be doing the chess based tactics, Nick. Well, so chess based tactics are 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 different. You know, uh, you've got Lee Chess, you got Chess.com, you got Chess uh, Trainer, Chess Tempo, you got uh, books. I mean, you have all these different like things where it says, you know, uh, white to move and win. But one of the nice things about uh, chess, uh, you know, chess based tactics is they'll give you different, uh, you know, level, um, uh, puzzles. And some of them are quite hard. Uh, and they'll tell you that they're master level or difficult or whatever. And they can give you some hints if you need them. Um, and it's, it's nice in that respect that you get immediate feedback. If you make one move, you lose rating points and it's, it's, it's like your, your whole, uh, loss avoidance kicks in and you're like, damn it, I'm going to get that one right. <laughs> uh, so it's, uh, it's really kind of nice in that respect, but chess tactics, uh, for me have become a way to practice that pre-move thought process. That's where I do my practice. Uh, tactics is nice when you get them right, but really what I'm trying to do is do that separation of calculation and orientation. So I'm going to orient to the, uh, to the position on the board. And try and look for undefended pieces. What are the checks? What are the threats? You know, what what are the key squares? I I, I want to look and see what I'm dealing with first before I go. You know, moving a queen because if you get <laughs> if you get the wrong move, it goes not the strongest move, and then boom, mm-hmm. it leads you back and you lose like ten points off your rating. No, you know, right. it's really a great feedback mechanism, uh, and I find it really incentivizes me to make sure I've got the variation in my mind correct. 
And the stuff I'm working on now is proving myself wrong or trying to prove myself wrong, trying to visualize how this, this will go and trying to prove myself wrong. If I see it, why isn't it this? Why isn't it that? Um, it's still a struggle. Visualization, calculation, all of those things are stuff I'm working on. Still a struggle. And yet that's why I do the chess tactics is because I can work on it that way. Right. And there's immediate feedback if I get it wrong. Yeah. And Han mentioned for, for any listeners wondering, uh, so this is within the chess-based software, not on the website, correct? No, it's uh, on the website. Oh, it's on the website. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and I asked Han, like, what differentiates it? Because obviously, as you said, you know, there's the Lee Chess Tactics Trainer, there's the Chess.com Tactics Trainer, um, you know, there's the Woodpecker Method, like, you know, on Chessable, yeah, like, yeah. there's there's so many quality offerings. Um, and Han just said he felt like the positions were a little more game-like, like, they, the, the solutions weren't as tidy, um, which, you know, I don't think... Uh, I don't. I don't think there's any panacea in terms of like which tactics trainer you're doing, but the idea that you mentioned of uh, making sure you're developing the right sort of uh, mental map and thought process, and uh, caring less about and caring more about that than getting it right. I think that's that's important. Whichever tactics training method you're doing. Yeah. Well. So for Lee Chess um, or Chess.com, you know, it's like white to move and win, and there's there's maybe a couple of different ideas in there. All right, well, I'm going to move here and then I get a fork or I'm going to do this. I find in the chess tactics, the hard, the hard ones have multiple reasonable lines. You, you could, you could go here, you could go there. You can move this, you can move that piece. Well, you know, there's a check here or there's a check there, or there's a defensive move and, and multiple reasonable lines that you have to calculate through is what makes it, the yeah. hard, you know, the hard master level kind of stuff. Like, wow, I got to really look deep here. Eight moves in or something. Um, and I, I just, it just, I agree with him. It just has a slightly different feel. Not that the other ones are bad. Um, you know, lifting the weight, practicing tactics, you're going to get better. It's just, I found it works with me when I'm trying to do that thinking ahead process uh, and and plan out my my move before I make it. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And again, we'll put a link to, the, to that for anyone who wants to try it out. I've actually never yeah, personally free. used used the chess-based tactics trainer as opposed to the others. Um, I'm actually similar to you. I, When I'm trying to grind puzzles, I do chess steps. Um, and I, I had a daily regimen, but I fell off the wagon a couple of months ago, I have to admit. Well, you, you've got kids and kids are little agents of chaos. They really are. Yeah, it's all their yeah. fault. <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's always their fault. Yeah, um, not the parents who chose to have them. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> definitely not. Um, and one other thing, I mean, I've got many other things, but one other thing I, I wanted to follow up on now is you, you mentioned reading Dan Heisman's book. Uh, so I'm just curious, like how much you're reading and if you consider that sort of part of your study regimen or is that just sort of personal interest and maybe it'll help your chess? So it was pre, um, uh, pre-steps method reading. And there is one book that really did help my, my chess. And that was uh, Dan Heisman's The Improving Chess Thinker. Yeah. Um, there's a similar book out now um, uh, called Think Like a Super GM, where they go and compare the thought process of, uh, you know, amateurs versus accomplished players versus, you know, grandmasters. And that that whole, you know, here's this thinking process. If you're a better analyst of the position, you're a better player, was what his conclusion was. And I, I found that one really interesting to listen or to read through. 
But since then, no, I, I got more than enough stuff. So if I'm doing any chess book at all, it's rare. Um, I'm, I'm mostly going through chess steps, games, tactics, and openings. And, and there's just no room for reading more chess books. Um, yeah. I, I would try to read, uh, was it, uh, reassess your chess mm-hmm. and, um, man, uh, you know, I bought Ramesh's book, um, for improve your calculations. They're going to sit on the shelf, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. There's uh they've got plenty of company amongst many chess books sitting on many shelves around the world. I will, so. I will say warning. All right. There should be a parental warning on Ramesh's book. This book will kick your butt. Yeah. Shout out to Ramesh. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, anyone who heard his interview, um, he's, um, He's a serious guy, so you got to know what you're signing yeah. up for when you get his Your book. name is not Vidit or Praganandan. Don't <laughs> yeah. even try level two. Just work on the level one stuff and then then be okay with that. Yeah, but of course, lots of insights in the book as well. And uh, the, the chess world is, is lucky to have Ramesh. Um, all right, Nick, we got, we got some more topics to get to, but first we're going to take one more break and we will be back momentarily. I've been playing Blitz a little bit better lately, so I figured I'd check out what's going on with my game from our friends at aimchess.com. And what I discovered is I'm not blundering as much, so that's good news. My openings continue to be reasonably strong, especially with black. Um, I still have things to improve, still trying to get better at playing faster, especially in Blitz, and converting advantages and even resourcefulness. But the good thing is that Aim Chess shows you positions where you didn't... um, play to your full strength and you're able to either practice against the computer or learn from it, uh, practice specific openings, tactics that you missed, etc. You can do all this stuff on aimchess.com. So please use the link in the show description to check it out. And if you decide to subscribe, use the link or the code perpetual30 on aimchess.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we are back. And in a moment, I'm going to be quizzing Nick about his OTB chess tournament misadventures. But before we do that, we would like to bring you our monthly sponsored segment on every adult improver pod in 2022, the chess.bomb. Now, this one again is actually a chesskid.bomb. I wanted to let you guys, we've got, we're both parents here, Nick and I, the summer is here. So we wanted to make sure you're aware of a few features on Chess Kid. Number one, they're rolling out a feature called the Summer Clubhouse, um, which is basically a way to keep kids engaged over the summer. So they can have fun learning chess, doing activities. Like for example, my kids here in New Jersey, they just signed up for a summer reading thing at their library. It's somewhat similar to that, except probably better because they provide different activities on different days and have a way to sort of give you a community and keep your kids using their brain over the summer. Number two, we just wanted to let you all know that Chess Kid is now on YouTube for kids. Obviously, we've got to keep an eye on what our kids are doing on their devices. My kids are on devices as we <laughs> record this. Um, and um, 
And uh, Chess Kid has finally gotten the clearance to be on YouTube. So again, if you're looking for some um, healthy entertainment for the kids for free, you can search for that on YouTube for kids. And Nicholas, as luck would have it, his daughter, as he already mentioned, is um, a Chess Kid enthusiast. So so Nicholas, could you briefly tell us about your own experience uh, with Chess Kid or your daughter's, in fact? Yeah, uh, so I tried to be her teacher. Yeah, now Fun Master Mike won out. Uh, Fun Master Mike, uh, some of the videos, the lessons, the tactics, the bots she can play against, uh, all of those things she enjoys a heck of a lot more. So what I'll, I'll, I'll have her do a couple of tactics, maybe do a lesson, and then we'll roll out a board, um, like a tournament vinyl board, and have her play against the bot. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun for her. But there's one thing that I wish she would do more of, which is, uh, you know, use that kind of like being part of a community, uh, which then I think chess would become a different animal for her. It would just become more real. Yeah, I've experienced that with students when I would teach at school programs. There's sort of a, um, you know, it can it feeds it feeds itself. It sustains itself once the program gets going. Whereas whenever you're trying to get someone individually working on chess until they have that sense of community, um, it can be a constant struggle to keep them motivated. So summer clubhouse is definitely a good idea in that regard. And yeah, obviously I'm a long time friends with Mike and, uh, so impressed with uh, the videos and you know my son also my son's not a huge chess player but he he knows who fun master mike is and enjoys his video so um just the just a few reminders for any parents listening and obviously any coaches as well you want to make sure that your kids are doing some chess over the summer um, and if you do decide to s- sign your kid up for a premium level chess kid membership and you use the link in the description you will save 30 percent so that's in the show notes and that concludes the chesskid.bomb i always laugh when i do the chess.bomb i can't help it we got to hear about your tournament uh adventures so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah when yeah. was you when was your first tournament and how did it feel well so the second thing that han said that was 100 percent right which was um over the board play the feedback is so much different. Um, I've had, I think, 18 rated games now. Um, so I'm still provisional. But I can still remember the very first uh, over-the-board tournament I had. Um, masks were still uh, necessary. I think it was January, February, February um, of uh, this year. Um, and... Uh, my very first game, uh, he played white. Uh, I played a modern. Um, I won that game. Uh, used uh, used a lot of uh, knights in the center to win a couple of extra pieces, and I was so far ahead. I just gave up a knight at the end to be able to get a pass pawn, and the king couldn't reach it. And that was uh, that was my first game. Second game, played against a Sicilian, made a mistake, thought I was going to lose a piece, but at one point she moved her queen out, and I saw if I give her the B pawn then I can do this whole series where I bring the rook over, kind of threaten the queen, get a couple of moves, save my piece by threatening the queen again, destroy the pawn structure. And that all happened. Nice. Like I just, you know, um, queen takes B2, rook to B1, rook, queen to A3, queen B. I can still remember it. Right. Um, And I ended up loading up uh, my rooks on the B file where she had to castle long. And it, it just, it was, it was over. Um, they got the uh, the third kid uh, I played. Those were two adults. The third one I played was a 11-year-old, maybe a 9-year-old. can't remember how old he was. And, and he withstood my opening prep. And then uh, because I made a mistake, 
uh, in my opening prep, he won. Uh, he ended up winning the tournament. And then my next game against another kid, I was losing. And he just miscalculated and I ended up winning his queen. And he cried. I made a, I made a kid cry. Yeah. Uh, but the, the memory was seared in my mind still. I can still remember the positions. I can still remember the games. I can still remember the thoughts. And the intensity of that experience is different learning. The, when we do these adult improvers, we all suffer from limitations, two limitations that we all have, which is time and attention. And if you can increase your level of attention, the intensity of the experience, you do better learning. Uh, or if you can't do that, you just spend more time. And we're both limited by time and attention. The, the amount of intensity in the experience of over-the-board play is so much greater that I, I'm, I, I learn a lot more. I don't win all the time, but um, I definitely learn a lot more. But yeah, I agree. I, I don't play a lot of online training games just because I'm old school. And because I've felt the OTB feeling so many times, it's just like, the, to me, it's like 40% of the intensity. So mm -hmm. I just I just use my time in, in other ways for, for better or for worse. Um, now, one thing you told me when we chatted briefly last week, Nick, uh, you described um, the degree of the intensity you felt. And as an ER physician, I found this quite striking. So could you tell us how you felt? You had described a moment of uh, time trouble. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I the last tournament I was playing up. Uh, they let me play up. Uh, which is unusual. So I'm playing a 10 year old who's 1954 USCF and I'm winning. I'm up two pawns, two center pawns. I, I I'm winning. I've got an attack. He's pinned down, but it's under two minutes. Oh my God, it's under two minutes. What am I going to do? <laughs> I, I, I got, I got to find a move. It's under two minutes, you know? And it's this weird thing in emergency medicine. I know what I can control. You know, I, I know what my role is. I know what I can control. I, and I have a sense of how things are going to play. Where is this going to go? Where is that going to go? I have an understanding of sort of this weird chaotic dance in the emergency department where I'm supposed to be what I'm supposed to do. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm skilled at it enough that I've, I've been doing it all these years. Uh, I don't have that for chess. All of a sudden, I'm trying to do checks, captures, threats, pawn breaks. Uh, wait, wait, hold on. Uh, undefended pieces. Wait a minute. What about this? What about that? I'm like, ah, it's two <laughs> minutes. And I blundered. I lost. And the kid, you know, the kid's just able to kind of make, take advantage of my mistakes. And next thing you know, I'm dropped my queen. Brutal. And, yeah, and I'm just like, come on, man. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and you, you mentioned last week you found that more nerve wracking than your work in the, the ER. Yeah. It's a weird part. Um, you know, when I'm saving a life, man, there's, there's three things I can fix. And if I can't fix them, then I can't save you. And I, I, that's not my, that's not a lack of skill on my part. I will, I will go every distance possible for somebody who's sick, every, every stone, every treatment, everything, I will do it. But if that person can't maintain life, I can't fix that. On the other hand, on the board, it's all my fault. Yeah. <laughs> it, all the information's right there. It's all my fault. Yeah. What am I going to do? Uh, I got to get it right. How do I get it right? Oh no. You know, it's, <laughs> it's this weird feeling that's completely different. Uh, that is, is work I'm trying to do where, okay, we're under two minutes. It's a blitz game now. Just, you know, make sure you know that you don't drop a piece. Uh, when under stress, what you've trained for comes out. 
uh, and I, I've been well trained, uh, thanks to my residency and my years, uh, on what to do under stress in the emergency department. What comes out under stress in my uh, low time games is what I learned over 40 years, which was not particularly good chess. I, I you know, my my 1350 player comes back out, right? And I and and I have to I have to go back to, you know, oh no, I'm a better player than this. Let me let me let me let me work on that. Yeah, it's. I totally get it when you put it like that. But yeah, the, when you first told me, I was shocked yeah. <laughs> because obviously the stakes are so much higher in your in your uh, day-to-day life. But it doesn't, you know, it feels very important <laughs> at that moment. Yes, yeah, you know? yeah. And it, maybe it's just one of those things where if I change my relationship with, uh, with it, it, it'll be different where I'm not feeling like it's all my fault. But as I sit there, I'm like, uh, don't blunder, don't blunder, which of course means I'm going to blunder. Right, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't think of an elephant. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, right, right. <laughs> So when the loss happens, you know, you're, you're disappointed. You, you had oh, yeah. this higher rated phenom on the ropes. Like how long does it take you to recover from a loss like that, Nick? Um, I am accepting that I'm an amateur. So I, I try to look at like, how was my play? Not what the result was, but how was my play? Some days I'm more capable than that. You know, there was a game, two games later where, I lost just because of opening prep and the guy kicked my butt and I'm still mad about that. But I, I, I you know, I got a moral victory, uh, you know, top 10 year old in Arizona and I played him, uh, well, and I was winning, um, you know, better time management maybe, or, or just be okay with the fact that, uh, you know, that, Hey, I'm human and I blunder. I take solace that, you know, uh, Magnus blunders, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Vichy Anand missed Maiden three or Maiden two. Yeah. You know, and then resigned uh, when his opponent might not have seen it. <laughs> yeah. It's a human thing. We make yeah. mistakes. Yeah. So overall the tournament experience, Nick, uh, for anyone who hasn't tried one yet, is it like a firm thumbs up or guarded thumbs up? What it's would a you... two thumbs up? It, it's really? a key part. Okay. Yeah. It's a key part of what I, what I feel like I've, I've used to get better that that's that level of feedback that you need. Um, the other thing is you're going to have a different level of competition. You're not going to have somebody that's going to blunder, you know, a tactic and then just quit because it's an online game and they want to move on. I mean, I played this six year old who played a Petrov and he was clearly losing. I'm up a rook and, uh, and, a, and another piece. Like I'm up two pieces and I'm clearly winning. And he starts playing for a stalemate. He, he's he's angling for a stalemate, right? And I had to really think about okay, I got to be careful with my moves here because he might actually get me to get him into a stalemate. Uh, I mean, the level of resiliency in your opponent is is different when you're playing over the board. They're going to keep playing on even in a uh, in a difficult position, and you'll need to be accurate. I think that's the important feedback. Yeah, um, and do you like? How often do you think you'll be able to play tournaments again? Caveat: If I'm busy lucky, guy. once a month. Yeah, yeah. If I'm lucky once a month because the tournaments are physically long ways away, forty minute drive. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas uh, local tournaments would be better. And the other thing is, like you know, even if you're doing a game thirty, you get four rounds. You know, you're gone for nine a.m. to one thirty. Yeah. Um, it's hard to be a solo parent. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, and yeah, that's what I try for ten turn once a month, ten tournaments a year, or something like that. And I yeah. do often end up, you know, I um, 
I always hope to go to these getaway tournaments, you know, like Vegas or whatever. But more realistically, um, I also there's like a game, uh, game 30, 45 minutes away that often yeah. is like the most realistic choice. Yeah, no, um, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, so I would love to go to Vegas. I would love to play in a, a couple multi-day tournament. Um, yeah, just for the experience. But yeah, game 30s. I guess I would say two other things that you and I had talked about before uh, before we end the podcast that things that had helped. So first of all, um, chest steps method, and we've talked about, it's really a good curriculum. Um, having a trainer uh, who's trained in it um, has really helped me. There's not a ton of them. So it's, it's not the easiest thing to get, you know, to get um, a coach like that. But um, I, I worked through chest steps one and two kind of on my own, really helped a lot. Uh, the other part is like this podcast, um, helped me feel like I was part of a community back in residency. I had a group of guys that lived in the town I was in that just liked to get together and play chess at a local Starbucks. This was before chess.com, you know, this is the internet chess era and I wasn't even, you know, aware of ICC, uh, just having guys where you could go and play game, uh, just became chess became a real thing again. And when I found your podcast, chess became a real thing again. I was part of a community. Well, I'm glad to hear it. That was certainly part of the goal. Um, yeah, and and generally, community is is super important. Uh, I'm again happy to hear the podcast could be a part of that. But obviously, like the more one can get involved in their sort of local network, or obviously, like the discords that that Chess Dojo and uh, by the way, Perpetual Chess is starting a Discord, uh, starting slowly for some of the Patreon subs. Um, but like anything people can do to feel more community, the 45, 45 league, people make friends online, but I do think, uh, to the extent possible, like, uh, real, real life is, is the best way to go. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I have, you know, uh, outside of, uh, outside of, uh, chess, you know, there's podcasts I listen to where, you know, you really, you like, I'm a Sixers, 76ers fan and I listen to a 76ers so podcast. <laughs> Thank you. That's the appropriate <laughs> response. Um, and, and yeah, I really feel part of the community, even though I'm not like talking Sixers with people all the time because of that. So yeah, it does, does make a difference. Yeah. Is there any conversation about Sixers that doesn't start with either Joel Embiid or, uh, uh, or, or James Harden? Yeah, well, there was Simmons forever, so I'm just glad. Yeah. Just glad that that's over. But anyway, we we will uh, continue our constant effort to not derail this into a sports conversation. <laughs> so, um, so Nick, th- this has been uh, super, super duper helpful, and it's really awesome to see all that that you've accomplished. And I think there's there's lots people can learn from this. Oh, we actually have a question that I almost forgot. So, oh yeah. <laughs> So shout out to Bruno Johnson. Uh, before we wrap up, um, let's uh, get to his steps method related question. So uh, Bruno wrote in to ask, he said, I'm also using the steps method as my main way of studying chess, but I'm only at step two. He's doing thinking ahead and step two plus thumbs up, as we said, Bruno. And I'd like to know if there are certain areas of the game that you or your coach Han decided to require extra material to complement the steps method. I would also Absolutely. like to know if he's been able to get to often get postmortems in the Lee Chess Classical League. Uh, so I'll answer the last question first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Lee chess 45, a lot of, uh, the folks will stick around afterwards and go right to the analysis board or talk about, you know, the, uh, talk about their thoughts on, um, the opening line and kind of looking at it. Uh, so yeah, you get a lot of postmortem on the Lee chess 45, 45 strongly recommend it. It's a great, it's a well-run league and it's a lot of fun. 
Um, yeah, there were definitely things I had to work on outside of the steps method. Steps method doesn't teach much in the way of openings other than a couple of golden principles, um, which are important because when I was back at 1350, like I wouldn't centralize my works. I would just try and engage with, you know, uh, whatever minor pieces I had out there and I wouldn't finish my development. You know, steps method talks about that, but openings, getting better at openings, getting specific openings. And then the other part, which was getting concrete. That's really kind of like been hard for me uh, to make it a habit, but getting concrete in my analysis. Steps method will teach you concepts, but it's really important that when you look at a position or you think about a move, you don't respond to like seeing ghosts because I saw a lot of ghosts. I still do. You know, oh no, and the, you know, the, the rook is in line with my king. What's going to happen? Well, you got to get concrete. You got to figure out what the actual line is. And that was work separately that I still have to do. And I try to do that with the tactics. I try to kind of look at it, think about the lines that are possible, orient to the position, and then uh, try to calculate uh, what the actual line would look like. That's, uh, you know, that plus the opening work was stuff outside of the steps, method, concepts, and work that we had to do, that we still do. Yeah. Yeah, good advice. I mean, the things I would highlight are like chess steps. I think it's excellent. As I've mentioned many times, I, I would say the uh, I feel like the positional puzzles, which they do have some of and the tactical ones, they're a little bit out of sequence in terms of degree of difficulty. Um, so and the, of course, they lean heavier on the tactical side. Um, yeah. But I really do feel like if you're going through the curriculum, if you're doing the steps puzzles book by book, uh, not just going from level two to level three, but doing all the intermediate level two, like step two plus, step two extra. Yeah, yeah, step yeah. Two, if you're doing books, yeah. Yeah, all the books. Um, and you're playing games and going over it um, because you'll get some openings from that. I feel like if, especially if you're like below 1800 and openings aren't starting to take a, a higher role, I think you're doing like 90% of, of what you need to do. Now, I did want to mention, um, I know that some people are, like, as Bruno mentioned, like step certified teachers are hard to come by. It came up in the interview with Paul and I actually heard from core, the, you know, the, the remaining living co uh, creator of the steps curriculum subsequently, um, because Han of course is an amazing trainer, um, but has limited availability. Last I heard he didn't have any. So uh, I think yeah. he has a wait, I think he has a wait list. Um, so, but core himself said anyone who's any, teacher who's acting in good faith and reading the manuals as appropriate can teach the steps method. So for any listeners, you know, who are wishing they had someone to help with that, the main thing, I mean, Han's great. And if you can get him, by all means do. But the main thing that I think that's helping Nick is that he's doing the puzzles. And then the ones he gets right, he doesn't need help with. And the ones he gets wrong, you can then present to your trainer if you need to, to help yeah. with an explanation. So it doesn't have to be like, again, Core himself said this, it doesn't have to be a step certified teacher. Although certainly if you can find one, great. So anyway, I still encourage anyone listening and thinking about it to pursue that on their own, just to sort of, um, again, it sort of avoids the like decision fatigue where you're like, all right, which book do I read? You know, how much do oh, I do biggest, of this? Biggest bang for the buck for me uh, was steps to thinking ahead. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Just, just absolutely game changer for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And did you tackle, I know you're up to like step five, I think. Uh, did yeah, you just step yeah. three thinking ahead too? Uh, parts of it, but, okay. um, you know, I just kind of was in his hands. So we started with step three and then accelerated, uh, pretty quickly after that to step four. Um, you know, some of the tactic stuff that I can do, some of the, the, 
the work, I mean, the quality of the tactics I can do is, is higher than say like my in-game, uh, you know, actual play. Uh, but you know, my, um, my experience was we kind of accelerated to step four and now I'm on to, I'm about ready to finish step five proper. Wow. We're going to go into uh, step five extra and step five plus. Yeah. Which is pretty advanced. Like that's super impressive. And I, th- I think I can't remember if it was you or Han who said like, even now he feels like, uh, your rating might be lagging, like your, your problem solving ability. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's a hundred percent. Like, cause if I, if I'm sitting over a problem, I know there's a solution. I'm going to find it. Right. right. But no, there's no red flag uh, in the midst of a game when you have like 10 minutes left going, hey, by the way, there's a tactic. You know, right. you know like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It makes uh, a big difference. Being amateur. Yeah. Yeah. And one other note for anyone listening and wondering about steps method. Some people like they don't know where to begin. Like if you're rated 1300, you don't start with step zero. But I would say just pick something, you know, pick something in the ballpark. If you're 1300, even if you start with step two and you're, you're flying through them, like that's fine because you'll get to the point, you know, where it gets more challenging in reasonably yeah. short order. So you probably don't need to start with step one. You might miss one or two nuances in terms of like developing mental maps. But to me, um, it's, you know, overall, you would be wasting more time than you'd be gaining. Um, do you he have any insight me, on that, Nick? Yeah. So he told me that uh, when when you're doing the steps work, you should be getting two or three wrong. If, if you're getting a couple wrong per page, that means you're at the right level. And if you're getting them all right, you need to move forward. You know, yeah. you need to move on. Like if, if it's too easy and you're getting them all right, you keep moving forward. You should be at a place where there's two or three on the page that you can't solve. And that's, that's about the right level. Okay. Yeah. And that goes even beyond step for anyone who wants to do, again, the woodpecker method or a tactics train or whatever it may be. Um, but anyway, Nick, we were already saying our goodbyes before we uh, got to the Patreon question. So I think it's time to say them again. Uh, this has been amazing. Look forward to hearing your continued progress. So can we hold you to the fact that you say that you have you have no goal and you're going to be doing this for a while, maintaining this regimen? Oh, yeah. No, I do have a goal. Um, I, I, I realize it's probably a five to 10 year plan, but I, I'd like to get to the expert level. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would like to get to there. Um, USCF 1900. Um, so that's a goal in the back of my mind. Uh, uh, maybe 2000. But uh, boy, some days being amateur. So, so challenging. <laughs> Okay. Well, I, I'm generally, I always advise people to tread lightly when it comes to sort of faraway goals. But I will say if you're solving step five uh, puzzles um, with a with a good batting average, then uh, then you've got you've got good chances if you can stick with it. So, um, so thanks for it. sharing. Awesome. Well, I hope maybe we can get an update someday, Nick, because uh, this was a lot of fun. And I, I, I admire your approach, feel like there's a lot to take from it. And hopefully uh, listeners do as well. Well, I, um, I've been very lucky. Han was nice enough to take me on as a student in the midst of the pandemic, partly because I was a physician. So I was very lucky that he, he extended that grace. And I've been very lucky to be part of this podcast, one that I've listened to, uh, you know, every week uh, for the last two years or so. Um, and I, I appreciate everything that you're doing. Uh, best of luck to you. And please keep it going. Oh, I definitely will. I'm definitely the highlight of my week recording these conversations. So thank you. appreciate it. And if anyone wants to bother you for a game online, is that uh, permissible or off limits? <laughs> uh, sure. But um, uh, at, the, at the, the pace in which I can play every week, at, have empathy for people who work in uh, hospitals. We work shifts and I work a different shift every week. So every week is a separate problem to solve. When am I going to do this? When am I going to do that? 
Gotcha. Yeah, reach okay. out. Hit me up. All right. And and obviously thanks for your service to the community. Um you know, especially over these last two years. I know you you bit your tongue in terms of the things you've seen, but uh I'm sure it was uh harrowing at times. So so we we all appreciate that, Nick. Thank you. Okay, have a good day. Thanks so much and okay. uh, congrats on uh, your your steps so far. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who helps make Perpetual Chess possible. Big shout out to my producer, Matthew Passy. I'd also like to thank the Blue Wire Podcast Network, with whom we are proud to be affiliated. Be sure to follow us on social media, Beneficial1 on Twitter, at Perpetual Chess on Instagram, and or you can join the Perpetual Chess Facebook group. You can email me, ben at perpetualchesspod.com. And of course, last but not least, I'd like to give major thanks to the Perpetual Chess Patreon and PayPal supporters. Those who choose to join that community based on their level of support can do things like submit questions for guests of the show, have access to live Zoom Q&A lectures with grandmasters who often have appeared on the show going over chess games, answering questions, stuff like that. And you can even get access to ad-free perpetual chess if that's your preference. So, but most of all, thanks to everyone for listening and we will catch you all on the next episode. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.